If you've been around retail for any amount of time, you have heard the phrase, the customer is always right. Today, I want to challenge that statement, though. Is the customer always right? Now, to preface, I don't mean is the customer the most important. I would say, without a doubt, 100% of the time, the customer is the most important, especially as a business owner. The customer is what you revolve your business around. However, is the customer always right? Is the products that a customer requests always the ones that you need to bring into your store? Is the services that they request? Is the is the hours of operation that they request? Are these things always what should be navigating your business? I want to challenge that today. I don't know if all of the time the customer is always right and the customer should always be navigating your business. Today, we are going to challenge a few different topics around products, around services, around location, things like that, and talk about where the customer has the authority and where the customer doesn't have the authority to always be right or wrong. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, where we help you improve your family-owned retail business. I'm with my co-host today, Chris Fox from Fox Strategy, the marketing genius. And my name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner. And with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Any classic retailer would say, the customer is always right. But here's my question today, Christopher. Is the customer always right? Should you always, always listen to your customer? Of course, every you know uh, age-old saying you look at is the customer is the most important, the customer is always right. But I challenge the customer is always right in a few different areas. When should you listen to your customer and when should you not listen to your customer is what I want to talk about today. And before we get into that, I want to preface this with saying, is the customer the most important in every business? Of course, the customer, as a business owner, the customer writes your paycheck, right? That is a non-negotiable. You have to have uh, certain appeals to the customer, or else if you run out of customers, you in turn will obviously be out of business. However, at what point should the customer stop navigating your business and the business decisions that you make? Those business decisions that I want to talk about are, should they navigate your um, choices in products? Should they delegate how to you, that you would price your products? Should they um, be the most important decision-making when you are trying to figure out what location to go to, perhaps, or how to market? Things like that. And so, is the customer the most important? Yes. I want to take that off the table Uh, from the very beginning. However, I want to challenge What I want to challenge today is where should the customer be making the decisions in your business? So at the onset, what are your thoughts around this topic? Yeah, I think you're right, Steve. Uh, Customers are the lifeblood of any business. You have to be able to solve problems for people, and then you have to actually solve those problems. 
for your people. Um, and I, I know we'll get into this, but I think the big question that I would challenge any family-owned retail businesses that are listening with first is you really have to get serious about the term customer. Who are your customers, your ideal people, and who are not? And sometimes the not customers will be buying from you, but they are not your ideal customer. They should not be the, um, the voices that are directing your business, um, you know, where you're gathering your information. Uh, because even though they pay you doesn't mean that they are actually your ideal customer. So, um, yeah, I think this is a great topic and it's going to be both introspective and, um, and really looking at customers uh, as an information source. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that's probably would summarize this entire conversation is how to establish who your customer is, uh, would probably be a great encompassing uh, theme to this conversation. But um, of course, as we've talked about in many, many episodes, I think it's identifying your customer, yeah. uh, especially our first uh, podcast that we did together at the first of the year, your 2022 retail marketing plan. Yeah. Um, we talked at length about how to identify who your customer is. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I would encourage you to listen to that maybe even before you listen to this episode. But um, once you identify who your customer is, um, I think that it's important to identify where you should listen mm -hmm. to your customer. Um, so this is you, you have identified this is my target demographic, whether it's an age, uh, whether it's a certain sex of a customer, whether it's a uh, you know demographic, whether it's a household income, and, and a lot of those things probably apply to each of your customers. But once you have identified your customer, where should you listen to your customer? So first off, when should you take the advice of your customer? Um, first off, I want to say that I think that customers speak with their wallets sometimes louder than they speak with their voices. Um, I have had countless numbers of uh, customers that have complained about a the price of a service or complained about um, how expensive something is or complained about how you know this brand is ridiculous or whatever it might be. But then they continue to buy that. Um, I, I'm thinking immediately of a customer that has complained about the price of our delivery service, which we not only do we break even on our delivery service, but we actually lose money every time we deliver to a customer um, on the just the expense of the vehicle, the employee, the diesel, all of those things. We lose money every time. And I have had a customer complain about the price of that service for the last five years. And they have gotten a delivery every few weeks for the last five years. <laughs> so first off, just because they're complaining with their voices, uh, perhaps uh, they're not complaining with their wallets. Yep. Um, and so um, so I want to talk about where should you listen to your customer. Where I think you should listen to your customer is what they are saying with the um, – perhaps what they are saying around services and what they are saying around convenience. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the most powerful way to listen to your customer. Um, convenience can mean a lot of things. It can mean um, the speed that you ring somebody up. It can mean um, the way that you deliver a product. It can mean um, 
you know, a lot of different ways. Um, convenience can mean certain things to different industries. The other thing that I think that your um, business should cater around is around services, especially in the retail industry. I think that services are incredibly important. By services, I mean um, whether it's like a consulting uh deal, whether it's a delivery, uh, whether it's um, some sort of repairs on site. Uh, you know, I think about a lot of specialty pool supply companies. That's where my dad came from was the pool industry. And they, they essentially had to have a service, uh, where they repaired, uh, pool equipment and things like that, because it was just an essential part of their business. So I think services would be one of the most important things that customers, uh, where you should listen to your customers because, um, it can tell you not only how well your service is doing and um, things that you can tweak with that, but also where you should get into different parts of the service that you should get into. Um, so if you're not listening to your customers in those, um, that's the the main areas where I think. Um, what are your thoughts around where you should listen to your customers? Oh, well, yeah. And even, even the idea that you just presented there, when you're talking about the services that you offer as a you know, as a retail store, as a retail business, uh, you have a great amount of control over that service from what is offered to how it's marketed, to how it's priced, um, to whom it's available to. When you start talking about price, you have far, far less control to listen to your customers about price than you do about all these other things. And so any business who's who's hearing from their customers, well, this is just too expensive, and they, they let that anxiety get to them and they focus on uh, really what they can't control, they're spinning their wheels. But any business who says, I get it, part of doing business is we're gonna hear complaints about how much something is or how expensive it is, and that's just, that's foregone conclusion. Let's instead spend all of that energy that we would waste on spreading over price in putting into a service that our customers would enjoy. So I think that just even from a practical standpoint of how you run your business, invest energy and time and money in something that you have greater control over than fretting and worrying and, and constantly being anxious over a, something like a price where you might be at your bottom line as it is. That I think is, is, you know, a good addition to what you're saying there, Steve, because I know your business is, is, very driven by your margins and what something costs you to offer. So you don't have a lot of control over your price. And maybe many family owned retail businesses listening w would feel the same way where they're saying, there's almost nothing I can do about price before I start losing money and lopping off, you know, my left hand, the, then get out of that game. The price is the price. And I would go further to say, remembering back to our, uh, identifying your ideal customer. If something, if somebody's constantly complaining about price, they just might not be your people and, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Write them off in your head. Like your customers, Steve, they might still purchase from you. They just want to feel that freedom to vent about the price every time. Cool. You're still here. Your wallet's speaking louder than your words are. And then say, gosh, we can, we can invest so much thought, energy, innovation into these services where we control everything from top to bottom. Um, and, and much like you're saying, you're losing money on your delivery service, but that's a unique position for your business that almost nobody else has. So you get to control that. And when you're ready, you can start making money on it, or you can reach, you know, um, max threshold of customers where you, you know, cross that line into profitability. All of that is up to you. Whereas if you spent your days worrying about price, you're not going to be able to move that, that needle very much. 
So I think you're right. Listen to customers about what is good for innovation among services, among customer service, um, you know, even something as simple as uh, how your business looks or how you market yourself. All of that is in a category where you have a lot of room to come up with ideas, to listen to people, take advice, implement their ideas, um, and, and that gets you further away from somebody who's complaining about the cost of a jug of milk or a bag of horse feed or, you know, this part for that vehicle, all of that's much more set by global forces that a lot of which you can't control. So worry less about those things. I, I would say that this idea around services with, um, especially as it is imperative to the price of certain things, um, is to think about if you are getting a certain amount of complaints or you feel like it's affecting your ability to compete in the marketplace uh, with a certain product or uh, category of products that you should listen to your customer, what they're saying. If, if they are consistently complaining about price, um, that you should contemplate, could I lower the service that I'm providing? Could I lower the packaging that I'm delivering it in? Could I lower the um, the way that it's delivered? Maybe people don't care about something as much as you think. Mm. Um, for an example, when we, uh, we deliver a, a lot of product out to Remington Park, and um, years ago, when we first uh, took over the business, the company that uh, was here in this feed store actually didn't even deliver over to the uh, grounds, to the facility. And that's where all the, the horses are and where all the barns are. So what we ended up doing is we started delivering over there, and we just kind of copied what everybody else was doing. So what the majority of people were doing is, is they were putting it on the back of trucks or they were putting it on a machine, taking it to the people's barns and stacking it into the actual barn for them. Well, as you might probably figure out stacking 50 pound bags, you know, 40 at a time, not only does it take a while, but it's also hard to keep help um, because you're asking them to do, you know, consistent manual labor and sometimes 20 degrees, sometimes 105 degrees, yeah. you know, it depends on the season. And so that was a lot of problems for us. And we were having to price that those products according to knowing that we were going to deliver that over there. Well, what happened is we kept getting um, beat on price of certain products. And finally, um, we kind of tossed out there to a few products like, hey, I could match this price, but you're going to have to stack it. We're just going to put it outside your door. You take care of all the rest. And a couple people are like, okay, but you can be at this price? Yeah. Okay, cool. And so we started doing that with a few customers. Well, then it got to where about 80 or 90% of the customers didn't even care about the um, price of the pro or they cared so much about the price of the product that they were like, yeah, I because because the people that were purchasing the product were not the same ones that were stacking the feed into the room. So they didn't even care, you know, and so in their mind, they were just like, ah, those guys are not doing anything anyways, they can stack that away. Um, and so I do think that price sometimes is a greater indicator of what people are seeing is important. Yep. But again, it's not the price, it's what are they perceiving the the highest amount of value in. Um, so for a restaurant, that might mean you have something priced a certain way for a meal and people keep complaining about the price. Well, first off, if you say, you know, this is my ideal customer and they're complaining about the price, 
what can I do to, maybe it's a smaller portion size. Maybe it's a, a little bit less quality of meat. Maybe yeah. it's a less, you know, as long as that fits in your demographic that you're going after, I, I do see um, questioning the service or questioning the value um, is, is probably a good thing. For sure. And, and that's like you're saying is focus on the parts of that you can control. If you have to limit a portion or you have to change the way you deliver something or package it, all of that is really the things that you can control. So view those complaints about price and ask yourself, what part of that could I actually control? Um, and start at the thing that you can control the easiest. Don't start at the thing that you yes. can control the hardest. That's a way that you can my rent, yeah, my rent exactly. or my location exactly. or something like that, because those are things that affect price. And they things but, you can change, but they would be the things that would upend everything for a while. You know, start at the small and, and move to those things. Yeah. Um, so I think that those are way, places where you should listen to your customer. Um, you know, and I think that those are not only do you need to have a pulse on your customers, but you also need to have a pulse on where is the world going. Uh, sometimes we can be, I think, a little bit deceived by um, business is good. Your customers are all saying this certain thing. Uh, this tiny little town is all leading me in a direction. But if you have aspirations of moving, you know, to different locations and or statewide or nationwide, I think that there's a lot larger indicators of, you know, an entire industry moving. I think of uh, a lot of restaurants with cloud kitchens mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, people aren't talking about. Uh, perhaps cloud kitchens and things like that right now. But um, here in the next year or two, when um, the price of food continues to rise, the price of delivery continues to rise, and people don't really care to get out and have an experience in certain amount of things like fast food or um, fast casual, then cloud kitchens might be very impactful for a lot of different businesses. So I think you need to have a pulse not only on what your customers say, but also where your industry as a whole is is headed. That's good. That's really good. So um, those are some indicators of things that you should listen to your customer in. Um, however, I do believe that there are areas where you should not listen to your customer. Um, and we have already kind of talked about that at length um, in different ways already in this episode. But some areas where you should not listen to your customer, I believe is any area where it compromises your business. Um, and for an example, I think one area where it could compromise your business would be serving or um, catering to a certain customer that is not your ideal customer. Uh, there are countless numbers of uh, people that will tell you they want something, they need something, they there's nowhere else to buy this. But if that is not your ideal customer, um, no matter how much the low hanging fruit is, if you have made the decision that this is where I want to take my business, um, I think you need to be diligent in accepting the fact that I cannot listen to this person. They are not my ideal customer. Another way that we've mentioned um, multiple times already is price. Um, when you make a decision to, <laughs> you know, price something because, um, you don't want to offend somebody or you, you need to sell it at a certain price or whatever it might be. I think that that is somewhere where you cannot compromise um, selling a product at a lower margin than you need to survive or, or even at a loss or anything like that. And 
perhaps listen to, like we just talked about, listen to more about what their problem is as far as the service. Do they not perceive the value of my retail location being open this certain hours? Do they not see the value in my retail location being on an interstate where I'm open seven days a week and I have multiple people ready, you know, to serve them or whatever it might be? Um, or maybe you're not marketing yourself correctly. Maybe you're not marketing yourself that this is a premium product. Mm. Um, I have a higher level of service, a higher level of product. Um, and, you know, just complaining about a price when that's not what you're aiming for um, might be a problem with you explaining it. It also might be a problem with they're not your ideal customer and they don't understand. Um, so what are, what are, what are your th thoughts around areas where you should not listen to a customer? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think not listening to a customer who's trying to pull you into something that you don't want to do. Um, and that could be, I think a lot of people maybe immediately go to, well, I would never work with a corrupt customer. I would never work with a customer who, you know, uh, wants me to cheat somebody, but we're talking about even simple, maybe the customer is a perfectly upstanding guy and wants you to do something that you just don't want to do. I think a lot of those business are the owners, hardest, I think. Yeah, it is the hardest, but they, a lot of business owners need to hear the permission and the freedom to say, you don't have to do that. You don't, you own the business. You get to build the business around what you want to do. Um, and so another way of saying that is don't, don't let yourself be dragged away to do things for money or sell things for money that you just never were interested in. That's how you create a business that's miserable for you. That's how you create a business where your service suffers because you're not actually in it. You're not, your heart's not in it. Your head's not in it. And so if somebody's coming along and, and saying, Hey, I want this. I, I think you should offer this service. I think you should sell this product. Um, it would be very you know, beneficial for you. You need to stop and think, do I want to sell that product or service? Would it be beneficial for me? Are there other people? Like you said, Steve, what's the market for that uh, in my location, in my town? And really weigh that um, because it's ultimately your decision. If you follow that path and that customer buys it one time and then never buys again and you wasted a bunch of money, uh, you don't blame that customer. You blame yourself because that was your decision to, to market that product, to sell it, to offer it. Um, and so really this is where or I said at the top of the episode, this is introspective. You need to be thinking and asking yourself, asking your team, your family, what do we want to do? Really, what do we love doing? What do we do well? And then go after that. Um, and that comes down, like you said, Steve, to, again, your ideal customer and how are you marketing yourself? If you are doing this thing, this service, or the, offering this product to a specific kind of customer, but all of your marketing screams that you're doing something else, don't be a, a bit surprised when somebody shows up asking you to do that thing. You are confusing people. Mm -hmm. You're you're watering down your message. You need to go back to being very specific about what you want to do. And so in a way, don't listen to the customers who are coming in asking for you to do stuff outside of your, your zone of genius, the things that make you passionate. Don't listen to them. But also when they start asking you, you might need to listen and say, whoa, why are they confused? Where are they getting this idea that we do this? Because somewhere we've led somebody astray if it's happening regularly. And so, the, again, the introspective question is, why are people assuming that we do this thing we don't want to do? And how do, we, how do we go and adjust our marketing, create communication that further separates us into the area that we want to be in? So I would say, like, you shouldn't listen to your customers would be just don't let people run over you and tell you how to run your business. 
But when enough of that starts happening, you need to at least listen up to say, where are they getting this idea? Hmm. That's very good information. Uh, and I, I think that probably the easiest for a retail store, I think that it's somewhat challenging to pivot yourself into a certain area. So for instance, we are known as, uh, you know, horse performance horse supply, um, whether that's feed, hay, supplements, things like that. And it would be very challenging to be known as the largest chicken, you know, selection around or largest pet food or anything like that. Um, I mean, we even have a horseshoe in our logo. Um, so, you know, it would be hard for us to pivot, but I, what I think very similar to a retail store, though they don't necessarily sell a physical product, is any service-based businesses. And I think that um, people can become known very quickly as a different person or a different <laughs> offering a different service just by taking a few of the wrong clients, um, just immediately become known as the wrong person. My, um, I have family members that are uh, have mowed lawns and, and done different things like that, you can quickly become known as the person that mows pastures with a tractor um, just as easily as you can become known as the person that mows tiny yards and, you know, in some small town and, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, you can quickly become known as a certain thing to certain people. Um, in your industry, being in um, marketing, I feel like it would be very easy for you to um, take on a certain amount of work that, whoops, I really didn't want to get into this, and now I found myself um, in a hole. Have you ever done that before, maybe in your younger years? And do not say, yeah, all the crap I do for cook feed, I don't want to do. Um, no, I have. Have you found yourself doing that before? Yeah, I have. A really good example is um, as marketing strategists, uh, Fox Strategies writes websites, so we write the copy that that converts visitors to a website, but we don't develop websites. And there's a big difference between writing a website and building a website. Um, and a lot of people in my, in my early years would say, we want, we want a website. And they just see it as a package deal, um, which is very natural to people who don't spend their days writing websites. Um, and I let myself go down that path of, oh sure, I love writing websites and I'm certified and, and good at writing websites but I will help you and just charge a little more and I'll build your website. And I was very unhappy. Um, and, and mostly because I think that's another one of those things that when it's presented as a package deal in people's minds, they come to you with this perception of it being one thing. You have to do a lot of work to separate those things and help them understand the difference. That's why I would go back to messaging. Messaging is so crucial when you are a retail or service-based business that, you're wanting to niche, you want to be specific and known for something. And Steve, you just mentioned, you have a horseshoe in your logo. Everything from the visual to the messaging, our tagline on the homepage is great hay and feed for your horses. So that it's very much not a chicken restaurant or a chicken, you know, store, right? <laughs> and the reason that all that works together so well is we were very intentional about it. The way that I got myself in trouble with websites is I just talk about, you know, your website needs this, right? And I'm saying five things that are all related to words on your website, but I didn't do enough to differentiate the development and building of that website. So when your messaging gets muddy, 
people get confused and that's when they start asking you for things that you don't want to do. And it's not their fault. You never really clarified what you did and didn't want to do. So I would say that, yeah, I've had that experience where I've, I've been pushed by my own, my own resistance to niche and be clear, pushed me down a path of delivering services. I didn't really care to deliver. And the way that I rescued that is I got really clear about my messaging and started talking about the specific things I offer, why I'm good at them. Um, and that helped me, you know, get out of that path of, of doing things I didn't want to do. Well, if you're stuck in your business doing something that you didn't intend to do, perhaps this uh, episode could give you a little bit of clarification around how you got where you got. Because I think sometimes you look up and you're like, I don't want to be doing this. Um, and maybe it could help you prevent that from happening in the future and maybe get you set on the right path to repairing that. Um, but again, like we talked about in the beginning, I think that there is times where listening to the customer is crucial and uh, paramount to your business. And there is times where you should not listen to the customer, whether you don't want to go in that direction or uh, you see a different path for your business um, to have the courage to stand up and tell that customer that um, that's not what we do here um, or that's not how we price things here or, or whatever it might be. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and it's able to help you in your family owned retail business. Thank you for listening.